for you guys this morning. You guys been enjoying the series we've been talking about the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the deal. We get excited and we talk about it and we, we ask him to come in and we submit our lives to him. But then there's, there's a last step, I believe, that's kind of somewhat of a block. And it is a block for me in my life. It's having the faith to actually step out in faith into action and to believe and to speak into being all the stuff that we believe is true. The potential that the Holy Spirit has for us in our lives. There's that block. I don't know about you guys, but there's, there's times in my life when I'm praying and I'm going, yes, Holy Spirit, I submit to you. You want to do signs and wonders. You want to do miracles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a block between it actually happening because my stupid brain gets in the way. Can anybody relate? Maybe not stupid. I don't want to put you down, but my, my brain gets in the way. I overanalyze things and I'm going more Holy Spirit. And then my brain kind of gets in and rationalizes and re- reasons with me and justifies why. Don't expect too much, Carl, because, you know, maybe God doesn't want to do this. And maybe you're, you're still unworthy for this. And maybe do you really believe how how crazy it could get if the Holy Spirit and my, my brain talks me out of things. And can anybody relate to that? Or is it just my brain? And I think we need to be kind of boosted in our faith to be able to say, God, you said it. I believe it in my heart and I'm going to speak it forth in prayer and in my actions. I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm going to stand up in my faith. I'm going to rise up and make this thing happen. You guys agree we need that? Well, there's a word that we heard a couple months back at a, at a conference. And maybe some of you guys were at the conference at Inspire Church. And we showed it to our leadership teams. But it's a word on, on boosting up that spirit of faith in us that God has spoken promises to us. And we've got them in our heart. But we haven't activated our faith yet by speaking them out in faith and by really acting on what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I want you guys to take a look at this. This is a message by Pastor Steve Kelly of Wave Church in Virginia Beach, and it's all about the spirit of faith, and I hope this inspires you. Get your notes out right now, because you're going to be taking notes on this. I promise you, this is good stuff from God. You guys ready to receive the word? Come on, 9 a.m. You guys are quiet. 11 a.m. puts you guys to shame. I just got to say it. I'm sorry. They're smaller than you, but I come in here at 11, and they're like, they're like super rowdy, so I'm just saying, a little friendly competition. You guys ready to hear the word of God this morning? There we go. That's what I want to hear. Let's watch the screens. tonight and Lord I pray that this word is not just taught but Lord I pray it is caught Lord I believe through the hearing and the receiving of your word that our lives will be changed Lord that you will speak directly into our heart and Lord I'm asking tonight for an impartation of revelation in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen and amen and amen you can be seated everyone it is uh, a lot of appreciation has gone out to Mike and Lisa, as it should. And uh, it's an honor to be here, and I'm so glad to be actually here tonight. I believe that tonight this message is something that I pray that God helps me to preach it. But more than that, I pray God helps us to receive a spirit of what this message is. And tonight I want to talk to you on the message of faith. Now, last night, Rick Bazette talked to you on fear, but tonight I want to talk to you on faith. It's like both sides of the coin. Because let me tell you something. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. 
Matter of fact, just a couple of quick things I was thinking about as I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about the time uh, that I don't know if I shared this when I've been here before or not. I can't remember. I was a youth pastor many, many years ago. Well, actually, it wasn't that long ago. It was only about 30 years ago. And, uh, and I remember one night, my wife and I were probably in a, in, a, in a prayer meeting. And we invited all these young people to come and gather. We had, I think, back in those days, 300 young people in our youth group. And only 18 young people turned out to pray. And I was mad. I didn't even want to pray. I had a BA, a bad attitude. And I'm telling I, I and finally I just went, well, we need to pray for the young people of our city. And we started praying. And I'll never forget that night because at the end of the night, after we'd prayed and we'd stormed heaven and we put a front area down the front that we called the just the well, we just declared that to be holy ground. And I was teaching about Elijah, and the Bible talks about that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and the prayer life of Elijah. And when he prayed, the rain stopped. And when he prayed, the rain came. And when he prayed, fire came down from heaven. And how that our prayer lives ought to be effectual and fervent. And at the end of that prayer meeting, I looked up, and all the blood had drained from every young person's face. Who's ever been in a place in God where you know God is so real and He's so tangible? There's a difference between what we would call, you know, the, you know, the God is everywhere, Amen. God is omnipresent, but there's a difference between the, if you like, God being omnipresent and the manifest presence of God. Do you know what it's like in God where you're too scared to move because you're just too scared to move? Like in prayer, in some moment where all of you go, oh my gosh, God is here. And you're too scared to move because you're too scared to move, but you also don't want to do anything that might change that sense of what's happening. So if your eyes are open, you don't want to close them. If your hands are here, you don't want to move them over here. You don't want to do anything. Who's ever know that moment? And I said, young people, I think God has heard our prayers. And they all went, we know, we feel it. I said, God is in the room. And the hair on the back of my head was bring. And, and I said, I think God has sent angels into this meeting to answer our prayers. And they go, uh-huh. And then I remember as I said that, it was like you could feel them brushing past you. It was like you could sense the presence of God in a way that I'd never sensed before. And this is the absolute truth. My wife is here to tell you this really happened. All of a sudden, an acoustic guitar on a guitar stand began to play all by itself. An angel came into the room and played the guitar. What do you do? When a guitar starts to play all by itself. They never teach you that in Bible school. Some of the young people were going, far out, there's an angel playing the guitar. And some of them dropped to their faces and started repenting of unconfessed sins. That was very interesting. I said, I need to talk to you later. I'll need to talk to you later. Others jumped up and were shouting, hallelujah, praise God. Me? I'm in shock. I'm going, <laughs> I'm thinking, how can this be? And I learned something that night, that we're a part of the church 
that Jesus Christ is building and heaven is real and angels are with us and we're a part of the most powerful force on planet earth. The church of Jesus is alive and powerful. Come on, somebody say amen. Another time, a young lady came into our church in Virginia Beach and she was very sick with full-blown HIV. She asked me what I prayed for her. She was pregnant. She was only 17 years of age. And I said, I'd love to pray for you. Matter of fact, who's heard of Winky Pratney? This is a relative of Winky Pratney's. And so she came in and she said, would you pray for me? She's connected somewhere. I think she's a relative of Winky's and the email I got back from Winky's office. And so they said, would you, she said, would you pray for me? I said, man, of course I'll pray for you. I didn't ask her how she got it. Oh, that was a very quiet response. I don't care how she got HIV. All I care is that God wants to heal her. And she said, I don't want my baby to have it, but the doctors tell me because it's full-blown. And she showed me the medical report. I've never seen one before, but it's 12 areas of assessment. And in every area to see if HIV was present in her body, every all 12 areas of assessment was present, 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 present. And so we prayed with her. And she went back to the doctor. She said, doctor, I'm feeling better. My immune system's getting better. I'm feeling stronger and I'm feeling healthier. And the doctor said, no, you don't get better of HIV. And what you have, it is incurable. You are without hope. She goes, doc, would you do another test? I honestly feel better. And the doctor said, it's a waste of time, waste of money, waste of science, waste of medicine. You cannot get better. You will die of this. You have full-blown HIV. There is no hope for you. And we're not even sure whether there's any hope for the baby and whether the baby will have this. She says, doctor, please. And finally, through her tirelessly saying to the doctor, the doctor who did the first medical report, who got all the blood work and had the assessment, he rang her up. He goes, you need to come and see me straight away. She comes in and he showed her the the, the exact same medical uh, report. And this time after she had prayer and every, all 12 areas of assessment, absent, absent, absent. Absent. Come on. We need, hey, hey, hey. We, this is not just a sermon for tonight, but this is something God wants to download into your spirit that we might catch a spirit of faith and we walk out of this conference and we go into our world and change the world by faith in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. Back when I was in Hillsong Church, I got a phone call from our senior pastor, Brian Houston. And he asked me, would I go and pray for somebody who just round the corner from our house? And he told me that the little baby boy, his name was Tyler. How old was he, honey? He was he's 18 months of age, had fallen into the pool, had drowned, and has died. The doctor was already there, had pronounced the baby deceased. Would I go and comfort a grieving mother? They were getting busy trying to go pick dad up from the airport who just flew in from a business trip. And they were so busy getting the house clean and ready that no, everybody thought somebody else was watching Tyler. And Tyler walked out into the pool and fell into the pool and drowned. By the time they pulled him out, he had no pulse. They don't know how long he was in the pool for before they found him, but he was deceased. The doctor came. The doctor said, central nervous system shut down. The 
there's, there's no breath, there's no heartbeat, there's no pulse. And for 20 minutes, the doctor had been there already. But the time I got there, we don't know how long that baby was in the pool. But I remember going to that mother's house and thinking to myself, I need to share scriptures with her of how to deal with the, you know, with the grief of a loved one. When all of a sudden, I walked into the house and I looked at the mother. And the mother looked at me and it was like, faith ended my heart. And I said, no longer am I thinking, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm not thinking about in my father's house, there are many mansions and trying to comfort her for the reality of heaven. I remember walking up to the mother, the doctor standing there. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of death. And I command life to enter into this little baby boy. And I saw the mother go, oh, no, you don't. And grabbed something in the air and shoved it, looked like back into the baby. When all of a sudden, right before our very eyes, the baby began to give a drowning cry. The doctor was in shock. The doctor said, this is not good. This is the worst thing that could have happened. And I said, how could this be? You said the baby's dead. Now it's alive. Yeah, but it's been dead for so long. It'll have brain damage. Its central nervous system has shut down. The, the, the chlorine that was in the baby's lungs has already eaten away the lining of the lungs. This is, it'll be brain damage. I said, Doc, how bad can it be when the baby's dead and now is alive? And the doc said, it's not good. And I'm going, I think it's good. It's a lot better than what was there a minute ago. We went down to the hospital and all the team and all the medical reports and every doctor was saying, well, this is not good. This won't be a good situation. Your child will be brain damaged for the rest of its life. Three days later, little Tyler was home and completely and totally normal in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, we got to get some faith. Look at me now, Luke chapter eight. Let's go there together. And it says here, one day, every say one day. Personally, I believe it was a Monday, don't you? All right. He said to his dirty dozen, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. And as they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went to Jesus, woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up. And he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. And in fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. In Jesus' name. Lord, help me to bring what I believe a message that will carry into the heart of every person here, that will walk out of here, Father, with an increased measure and a spirit of faith. Help me, Father, to fan into flame the gift that's been given to every person in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. I want you to notice that Jesus asked his disciples, Where is your faith? I want you to notice he didn't say, Why don't you have any faith? Are you hearing me? He asked the question, where have you placed your faith? Where is your faith? Amen. And I believe God tonight would ask everyone in this room tonight, where is your faith? You see, Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. He knew what was on the other side. It was legion, a demoniac. 
And Jesus, when he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side, he knew what was waiting for him over there. Come on, somebody say amen. And they acted on the words of Jesus. They launched out, not expecting any interruptions. They've been there, done that. Jesus has told them to get in many boats. They've gone over to many sides, and they weren't expecting anything. But Jesus goes to sleep. And I wonder if he did it deliberately. I wonder, listen to me, that the storm and the whirlwind that says it was devastating, it was dangerous, the boat was rapidly filling with water. And if you read the same account in the book of Mark, they actually wake Jesus up and they say, Master, Master, don't you care? We're going to drown? Can you imagine hanging out with Jesus for eight chapters now and actually thinking he doesn't care? Amen. I want to tell you, I would rather have Jesus in my boat and asleep than not have Jesus in my boat at all. And Jesus is asking the question, where is your faith? Come on. Where is your faith? So I want to show you a few things here real quick. Are you ready for this? The first thing I see as I read this story is what I call the outburst. You see, the disciples went to Jesus and said, Master, Master, don't you care? Jesus, wake up. Jesus, what's going on? We're going to drown. And let me say to you, in a crisis, we blurt out what is really in our hearts. Adversity introduces you to yourself. Come on. When you say, I knew this would happen. I knew this was too good to be true. You see, Job said it this way. The thing I feared the most came upon me. The thing that I greatly feared came unto me. You see, in a crisis, we blurt out what's really inside of us. And here are the disciples hanging with Jesus. And they actually accuse Jesus of not caring. Come on. See, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In a moment of fear, in a moment of panic. In a man of shock, we blurt out what's really inside of us. Amen? When our defenses are down, our mouth speaks what's really inside. You see, adversity introduces you to yourself. I've heard people say when someone dies, these things happen in three, you know, and they start looking for the other two deaths. Come on, I've seen it. People say, well, you know, maybe there's a plane crash. Well, these things, social proof, and society will say this is what will happen. I've heard people say, you know, my mother got cancer, and all of a sudden now this person's fearful that maybe they suddenly feel a lump, and they go, it's got to be cancer. I just know it's cancer because my mother got cancer. I'm going to get cancer. You see, in a moment of adversity, we find out what kind of person we really are. Here's the point. Don't wait for adversity to come to find out you don't want to be that person. Somebody say amen. So the first thing is the outburst. And that's what we do. The second thing I discover here, the Bible says that Jesus took authority. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm asleep in a boat, if I'm asleep anywhere, and I'm in a, how many know you've got to be in a deep sleep to sleep in a storm like this? And so Jesus clearly was getting some REMs. He was getting some rapid eye movement sleep. He was in deep sleep. And all of a sudden, they wake him up. Now, I don't know about you, but if you wake me up, I'm not so sure I'm taking authority over storms. I'm, I'm rebuking the person who woke me up. And the Bible says here that Jesus took authority 
over the storm. How many know the Bible actually says that he rebuked the storm? Well, how many know you cannot rebuke impersonal, inanimate things? I mean, many pastors have tried rebuking sound systems. But it's impersonal. It's inanimate. Who's ever rebuked your car? It's impersonal. It's inanimate. And Jesus rebukes a storm. What's that about? What's Jesus doing taking authority over a storm? It's a storm. Amen. Doesn't make sense. But here's what Jesus did. The meaning of the word rebuke. Write this down. It means he assessed the nature of it. You look this up in the Greek, the word rebuke, when it says he rebuked the storm, he assessed the nature of the storm. Another definition or another meaning of this word rebuke means he passed judgment on it. Another way of putting it, he censored the storm. Well, you can't rebuke impersonal, inanimate things. Jesus identified satanic power on the back of the storm. He knew where he was going was to go to the other side to deliver legion, a man possessed by many demons. And he realized when he rebuked the storm, he passed judgment on the storm. He censored the storm. He actually began to take authority over the storm because he identified satanic activity on the back of the storm and when he rebuked the storm the storm set down because the devil had to obey come on come on the devil is on the back of many storms the devil's on the back of a health storm a financial storm a church storm a problem Come on, someone say amen. Storms that pop out of nowhere. And you go, where'd that come from? And Jesus took authority over it. He rebuked it because he censored it. He passed judgment on it. And sometimes we go around rebuking our wife or rebuking our husband or rebuking our boss or rebuking a doctor. And sometimes we need to get some leadership discernment and actually learn the kind of things to see what's really on the back of what's going on. Come on, somebody say amen. The storm obeyed because the devil had to obey. Here's the third thing I see in this thing, and then we're going to get into a couple of thoughts real quick. You ready for this? Okay, so the first thing is the outburst. Amen? The second thing is Jesus takes authority over the storm. But now here's the third thing. Then Jesus had to deal with the biggest storm of them all, and it wasn't the storm on the lake. It was the disciples were misguided. Come on. Listen to what he said. Where? is your faith. Come on, say it with me. Where is your faith? Or another way of putting it, he said, why are you so fearful? Or another way of putting it, I know you got faith, just where is it? Where have you placed it? You have got misguided faith. Listen to what he said. Jesus is implying you could have done the same thing I did, but your faith wasn't in the right place. He didn't say, oh, ye of little faith. He didn't say, you have no faith. He said, where is it? Jesus went to sleep, giving the disciples the opportunity to man up, step up, rebuke, take authority over it. Where have you placed your faith? Well, let me tell you where their faith was, because we know they had faith. We heard them speak it. Come on. Faith is voice activated. Come on. Out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Come on. 
faith talks. Come on. So where is your faith? Well, I'll tell you where their faith was. We heard them say, Master, Master, we're going to drown. They had faith, number one, listen to it, in the storm. They so believed in the power of the storm, they actually thought they were going to die. These aren't just little row, row, row your boat kind of people. These are fishermen. They've been out there in storms and they so believed in the power of the storm and its devastating power. And our faith sometimes can be in the problem. And we give more power to the problem. Come on. Our faith can be in the facts. And all we do is give more power to the facts. The second place their faith was, we heard them speak it. Where is it? Well, where was it? It was in, it was in the storm. The second place their faith was, was in the boat. Come on. And the boat was breaking up, filling up with water. And the boat was letting them down. It was failing them. So their faith was in the storm. He said, where is it? Well, there it was. It was, in the, it was in the storm. It was in the boat. And the boat was sinking. And they actually saw the power of the storm. And then they saw the boat filling up with water. And these are learned fishermen who survived a many a storm. And they so believed in the power of the storm. And they so believed in the power of the boat. But the boat was failing them. Listen, they had faith. Come on, they had faith. Their faith was in the storm. Their faith was in their boat. But the boat was failing them. And they believed they were going to sink and they were going to drown because the boat was failing them. The third thing they had faith in, listen to this, they had faith in the storm. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Their faith was in the boat. And finally, their faith was in their ability to cope. And this was now past their ability. And the only conclusion they could come to is, Master, Master, don't you care? We're going to drown. Well, where should their faith have been? That faith should have been in the words of Jesus. Jesus didn't say, let's go halfway out and all die in a storm. Jesus said, let's go over. Jesus didn't say, let's go under. He said, let's go over. Let's go to the other side. And I want to tell you, God has got another side for you to go to. And God has got things for you to do to break demonic strongholds, to see the purposes of God. And God's saying, come on, go over. <laughs> Look at Hebrews 13. I love this verse. Look at this. Listen. For he himself said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, their faith was in the storm rather than anchored in the words of Jesus. Jesus said, let's go over. Amen. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, and we also believe and therefore speak. Our faith should be in the words of Jesus because he has said, the Lord is my helper. Therefore, I can boldly say, the Lord is with me. And what can man, whatever he says, I can say. And if he said, let's go over, then I'm going over. If he said, I'm the head and not the tail, then I'm the head and not the tail. If he said he's Jehovah Jireh, then he is Jehovah Jireh. Come on, somebody say, if he said he's your healer, then you are healed. Don't put 
Put your faith in the sickness. Some people are so well versed in their illnesses, they can spell their diseases, but they can't quote one verse in the Bible. Some people are so well versed in their financial devastation, they say, Lord, I've got so many bills that even the magnet on my refrigerator has lost its power to hang on to them. But no, my friend, we need to quote that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. We need to say, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, O Lord, are with me. Come on, you can say whatever he said. Now, you can't put words in God's mouth, but you can say what he said. So how much Bible do you have? How much knowledge do you have? Some people know the names of the top specialists all over the United States and who they are and who are the best people. But quote me one verse about God being your healer. Come on, someone say amen. I remember Sharon and I, when we, we first went on staff at a church, it was, uh, it was 30 years ago. And I remember at that time, 30 years ago, I, I worked for an uh, uh, electronics technology company. I used to install these things, multimedia systems, 30 years ago in, in uh, corporations and people's houses, TVs, VCRs, back in the day when VCRs. <laughs> I, remember DV, I remember when CDs came out, man, they were cutting edge. I'm telling you. And I remember I used to have this job where I earned... Back then, 30 years ago, after taxes, $400 a week. That was a good job. Had a company car. And I'm telling you, our senior pastor came to me one day. Our youth group grew from 18 to 300 people in a year. And the senior pastor came to me and said, Steve, we need you to come on staff full time because this has grown so big. We need you to pastor these young people. And would you, would you think about coming on staff? And without even a hesitation, I said, I'll do it. Sharon and I talked about it. It's the will of God. I made one big mistake, Pastor Mike. I forgot to ask him how much is he going to pay me. <laughs> and I'll, I, I thought about it. I thought, I wonder what the church will pay a youth pastor. Now, I used to have a company car, and I figured that wasn't even on the table. I mean, have things changed much? I mean, you know, I don't provide our youth pastor with a company car, although our youth pastor is now my son, so I kind of feel like I do, to tell you the truth. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, and I thought, well, maybe instead of, you know, after tax and everything, taking home $400 a week, and maybe if we could gross $400 a week, and then that'd be a reasonable kind of a salary. And, and by the way, we were believing God. We were just newly married. We were believing God to have a family. We were believing God to buy a home. So I thought, well, that's not unreasonable. How many would agree with me? You bunch of tightwads. How many would agree with me? Well, that's not unreasonable. I remember I got my first, I never get, I got my first pay. And I, I went in, I got my pay packet, and I, the, you know, I, I went in, I had a sudden urge to go to the restroom. Who's ever done this? And you open it up to see what you got paid. My first week's, week's pay as the youth pastor, never negotiated the salary, never even talked about it. And our rent was $120 a week. That was the rent of the house we were living in. So I'm thinking, I wonder what they're going to pay me. And I opened it up, and there it was, $169 gross. That I honestly thought I got the wrong person's pay. This is true. So I went back to the accountant in the church. I said, I think I got the wrong pay packet. She goes, is your name Steve Kelly? I said, yes, it is. She goes, that's your pay. I said, is it half a week's pay? Is it 
Is it a timing difference? And, and I'm thinking, what am I going to tell Sharon? We're believing God to buy a house. We're believing God to have a family. I was thinking instead of maybe taking home after tax 400, I'm thinking maybe now it's gross 400. Now I've got a home $69 gross. My rent was $120 a week. I had to pay tithe and tax before I even touched the, what was left. And I remember I got home that night. Sharon says, you get paid. I said, I sure did. She said, how much did you get? I said, $159. She said, how much? I said, $159. She said, I can't hear you. I said, $169 gross. And she cried. And I cried. And she said, we'll never buy a house. I said, buy a house. We're never having kids. You're working for the rest of your life. I'm walking around mad with God. God, $169 gross. That's pretty gross. And I'm mad. And I said, God, I can't live on this. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Steve, he calls me that because that's my name. So if he said Mike, I wouldn't answer, but he said Steve. He said, I am Jehovah Jireh, and I am your provider. Stop looking to man to meet your needs when I will supply all your needs according to my riches and my glory. Come on. So I said to Sharon, here's how it's going to work. We're not going to say, we'll never have a house. We're not going to say, we'll never have a family. What we will say is, we choose not to have one now. You say, what's the difference? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if I say, we'll never have one, that's saying that our money is controlling us. But if I say, we choose not to have one now, that means I'm in charge. Come on, I'm, making, I'm not at the mercy of man. I'm looking to God. Come on. You can say whatever he said. Where is your faith? Come on, someone say amen. Uh, come here, I want to show you this verse here real quick. Romans chapter 10. Here's what we're going to do. Let's put this verse up on the screen, verse 8. And I'm going to stop in the middle of this sentence. And whatever the next word is, I want you to shout out the next word. Is that okay? Everybody with me here? So Jesus asked the question, where is their faith? Well, their faith should have been in the words of Jesus. Let's go over to the other side. Here's another place your faith needs to be. Watch this now. Let's read it together now. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. And it is in your That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. Look at verse 9. It says that if you confess with your that Jesus is Lord and believe in your that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your that you believe and are justified and it is with your that you confessed and are saved. Where is your faith? Well, the Bible says here clearly it ought to be in your mouth and it ought to be in your heart. Come on. The word of faith that we're proclaiming. Who's ever heard someone say, oh, my heart was in my mouth? That's a good place to have your heart as long as you've got the right things in your heart. Come on. If your heart is full of faith and your heart is in your mouth, what's coming out of your mouth? If your heart is full of fear and your heart is in your mouth, what's coming out of your mouth? If your heart is full of depression and your heart is in your mouth, 
what's coming out of your mouth. Come on, anybody seeing this? Amen. Listen, to, here's the thought. With that same spirit of faith, the Bible says, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore spoke. Look at Psalm 119 verse 11. I love this one. Hey, here's a question for you. What word have you got when you're in trouble? I knew this was going to happen. This was too good to be true. Come on. Girl, you marry that guy that you believe is Prince Charming, only to find out five months later he's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Look what David said. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. David said, Your word I've hid in my heart. Amen? Amen? You've got to hide the word in your heart. Don't hide sickness. Don't hide problems in your heart. Your word have I hid in my heart. So it's our faith is to be in two places. It's to be in our mouth and it is to be in our heart. See, listen to what Paul said. Paul said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, not with the mind. Did you hear that? The mouth confession is made for salvation. Come on. Here's what I believe. I believe we can talk ourselves into salvation, and I believe we can talk ourselves out of salvation. Paul said it's not enough to just have it in your heart. It's got to be in your mouth. Come on, someone say amen. Now listen to this now carefully. Our mouth reveals what's in our heart. And I want you to write this down, Bam. Your mouth not only reveals what's in your heart, but it seals what's in your heart. It's not enough to believe in your heart for salvation. You must confess it. So your, listen to this now, your mouth reveals what's in your heart and your mouth seals what's in your heart. Is this helping anybody? All right, we've got a fair few Bible verses here. Is this okay? Proverbs 16, is this okay? Proverbs 16, verse 30. And the last part of the verse, it says, Moving his lips, he brings evil to pass. Now listen to this. Not his hands, but his lips. Did you hear it? He brings evil. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 31, The tongue has the power of life and death. We are mapping out the course of our life with our words. Come on, someone say amen. We create the world we live in with the words we speak. How you doing? Not too bad. Well, that kind of answer is not too bad. That's negative. Why don't you say, bordering on good? How you doing? Well, I'm just going through it. How's your job? Well, I'm just making a living. I'm just paying the bills. Why don't you thank God you've got a job? Why don't you thank God you got health together to go to a job? Amen. Listen to me. Our words reveal what's in our heart and our words seal what's in our heart. You say to your wife, you'll never change. You're right. She never will. You say, I'm a loser. You're right. Not because God says it, because you said it. You can say 
whatever he said. Come on. Spirit of faith. And my prayer tonight is, through this message, it'll be more than just a passing on of information. But tonight, a spirit of faith will be birthed. Amen. That you'll go back to the things that you believe God's called you to do with an impartation, a inspiration, a transformation on the inside of you. I got faith for that. I got faith for that. Come on, I got, I got faith for that. I'm a, you know, this sounds kind of funny, and to tell you the truth, I, 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 don't, I don't talk about these things too often, but I remember one time, you know, just in my life, God's blessed me with a number of different watches, and I remember one time I had a beautiful Tag Heuer watch, and I was believing God to buy one, and I, in, in, in one day, I was given three. True story. And I couldn't believe it. Now, I wasn't thinking someone was going to give me one. I was thinking I was going to buy one. And in one day, I was given three. My wife was given one. I was given one. I was given two. And so I remember one of those tag watches that I really loved. I've, I just felt the Lord told me, you ought to sow that to somebody else. And so I sowed it to somebody else. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. So maybe just, maybe just if last, was it last year? I actually was at a conference and I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to believe God for my 50th birthday that I'm going to get a beautiful, brightling, green Bentley watch. And I was thinking, I'm going to buy it for myself. I'm not going to believe that someone's going to give it to me. I'm going to have the faith to, you know, to save the money to buy myself. And I said, you know what would be really cool? Maybe I should look at those green Rolex watches. And I was kind of joking, but I kind of was, kind of was and I kind of wasn't. And I was at a conference just maybe six months ago. And I'm sitting next to a, one of God's generals in the faith, a great man of God, a preacher who's preached his whole life. And as I'm sitting next to him in a conference, he leans over to me and says, God told me that I'm to give you this. And I looked at the guy and I said, what? He says, it's my watch. And I said, dude, it's okay. I don't need your watch. And he goes, no, no, I'm sitting here and the Holy Spirit just told me to give you my watch. I said, it's okay. I don't need your watch. I don't want to take a watch off a gen generous old man. And then he says, but you don't understand. God told me to give it to you. And he took it off. It was a gold Rolex worth $35,000. And I said, I believe the Lord's telling me to take it. And then I, I said, I'm joking. No, I don't want your watch. He goes, God told me to give it to you. And let me tell you something. It's one thing to have faith to believe for something, but it also takes faith to receive it. And I remember the watch didn't quite fit properly and I had to get one extra gold band put in it. One gold band was $1,000. I needed faith to put the extra gold band in it. Years and years ago, Cheryl and I, were, I was believing God that God called me to pastor a church in the United States. And I thought, somehow I've got to get Sharon to America. She'd never been. And I've got to get our kids to America. She said, they've never been. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll take them to Disneyland. And we'll just make this trip the funnest, best trip that they'll, they'll want to move to America. And so um, it was a total setup to make it a really good time. But at the time, to tell you the truth, I didn't have the finances to fly a whole, my wife and three children. The airfare was just too much money. But I sat in a cafe. And I said to a pastor friend of mine, this is what I'm believing. Watch this now. I'm going to believe as of right now, somehow God is going to provide a way financially for me to bring my wife and my three children. And I said, a pastor has asked me to come and speak in Maryland and he's flying me. And, and then he rang up and said, the Lord told me I'm to fly your wife over as well. 
Well, there's two plane tickets. And I said, I'm believing God to bring the three kids. And then there was a young guy that worked for me. He was an intern. And he said to me, my dad will pay the plane ticket if I can travel with you. I said, sure. I mean, it's not helping me any, but you can come. <laughs> and as these words come out of my mouth in this cafe, the general manager of a travel agency who I know very well, who I led to the Lord, walked past, as I said, I'm believing God for a way. He walked in. He goes, Steve, I don't know why I'm in here, but something compelled me to tell you that right now, we just got a wire that for the next hour, there is a piggyback fare. And for every airfare that is purchased to fly to the United States, they will pay a second airfare. And I said, I'll have three. <laughs> my wife, myself, the intern, that gives me three free airfares. And let me tell you something. I don't believe that guy would have come and said to me what he said to me, only I spoke what I was believing for. Is anybody catching this? Singers, musicians, come on back. My time is up. Come on, come on back, singers, musicians. Amen. Look what the Bible says. Proverbs 30 is they're coming back. Where are they all gone for a smoke break or something? There, oh, there you, there's one of you. Anyway, come on. Let's get all the team out here. Where are they? Maybe they're smoking weed. Someone talked about that. Someone talked about Who was that? Was that Rick? Amen. Yeah, you're coming. So is the Lord, but that's okay. It's all right. Watch this, watch this. I want to show you the power of words. I want to show you the power of words. Proverbs 30, verse 32. If you have played the fool and exalt yourself, or if you plan evil, look what the Bible says. Watch this. Clap your hand over your mouth. What's that about? If you have played the fool, or if you have a plan for evil, if you have a negative thought, put your hand over your mouth. Why? Because your words reveal what's in your heart and your words seal what's in your heart. Don't let it come out. What are you doing? I'm just not letting come out of my mouth what's in my heart right now. Listen to David, Psalm 39. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. My heart grew hot within me. While I was meditating, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Don't speak until your heart is on fire. Don't speak until you know what the Word of God says. Don't let come out of your mouth. Oh God, you know what the doctor said. Oh God, you know it's incurable. No, 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 no. I am meditating. And as I meditated on the Word of God, my heart grew hot in, inside of me. And as I mused and as I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Come on, somebody stand on your feet and give God a shout of praise. Come on, stand on your feet. Come on.
Well, is that good, guys? Is that a good word? I want us to pray right now. I want us to pray that God would begin to move in our lives in the way that we were talking about here this morning. Would you guys bow with me? Father God, we ask, Lord, that you would begin to move in mighty ways and you begin to stir up the spirit of faith in our lives and in our hearts and in our mouths, Lord, that we, we're, we're talking about here this morning. Lord, I believe, I know for a fact, Holy Spirit, that you're moving, that you're speaking to people. And as we've been pressing into you and seeking you, you are there, you are answering, you are meeting us, you are partnering with us, and you're speaking some promises to us. You have spoken to us. As we do dig into our words, Lord, you're speaking to us. As we spend time surrendering to you in our quiet time and in our lives, Lord, you're speaking, you're stirring up promises that you have for us. Lord, I know that there are promises for some of us to carry us through some tough times, some storms in our life. That, that there is a way that you're making available to get us through those, those circumstances, that we would be overcomers, that we'd be victorious. And Lord, for some of us, you're, you're stirring up within us um, new callings, what we're supposed to do, new areas of ministry, new um, opportunities that are presented before us, Lord, that we know it's you, we know it's your word speaking to us. And Lord, we've got these things and they're beginning to burn in our hearts. Lord, they're beginning to ignite a, a fire and a passion. And, and we know that, that if we would just step forth in more faith, Father God, that these things would come to pass. And a lot of us just have them hidden in our hearts. But Lord, I want to pray that this week, starting now, right now, Lord, as we heard these words, Lord, that we would begin to stir up that gift of faith and the, the things that are in our heart that you've placed there. Lord, we would begin to speak them out in faith. Lord, we begin to speak them out in prayers towards you. We'd begin to pray differently and not just kind of hoping that things would come to pass, but we would just come before you, Lord, and we would claim the promise that you've already made. We're not going to claim things that you haven't told us or that aren't in your word, but Lord, the promises that you're stirring in us, Lord, we're going to speak forth and we're going to speak into being. We're going to rebuke the storms and the problems and the attacks in our lives in Jesus' name. And we're going to also speak into existence the things, the, the hopes and the desires and the dreams and the callings that you've given us in our heart. And Lord, not only would we speak them out to you in prayer and and in our, our circumstances, but Lord, I pray that we would be bold enough through your Holy Spirit and accountable enough to speak them forth to our spouses and to our friends and to those in our mini church groups and to those in our lives that, that we can trust with this. But Lord, that we would have the faith that would be bold enough to speak it out loud and to let people know what it is, the hopes, the dreams, the desires, and the, the, the faith that's in our heart, Lord, that we would speak it out. Lord, we'd be accountable to you and to other people. And Lord, we'd, we would be boosted to the next level in our faith as we see these things come to pass as we begin to see miracles. So Lord, whatever it is that we're praying for, Lord, may we have the faith to speak it out loud to you, to ourselves, to our circumstances, to the enemy, and to those around us in our lives that we're accountable to. Lord, I pray for amazing things to happen this week as we really step out in this faith. And Lord, I want to pray another prayer right now for anybody in the room here today that you've never taken that first, that very first step of faith, which is to say, I believe that Jesus is the answer to all my problems. I believe that by putting myself in a relationship with God, things are going to get better. They're going to work out and I will have eternal salvation and a, and a place in heaven for all of eternity because of it. And if that's you today, you've come here today and something stirred in you and God's speaking and you know you need to make yourself right with God. You want all that he has available for you. He loves you. He created you. He's been waiting to have a relationship with you. If you're at a place in your life where you're ready to say yes to him and say, okay, God, I I surrender. 
the, the way that I've been living my life, it hasn't been working out the way that I wanted it to. And I believe you're bigger, you're better, you're stronger. You love me. You've got plans for my life. I'm willing to take a step of faith to say yes to you. If that's you here today and you want to be a Christian, you want to be in the family of God, you want to know all that he has available for you, I want to say a prayer with you right now. And again, we're going to say a prayer of the heart that's, that's doing business with God in our heart. And after service, I want you to take that next step where you confess this decision you're making in your heart. But right now, let's just, let's focus on the heart. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to pray the words out loud. And I'm just going to ask that you would pray them in your heart right now with me. Not out loud yet. I think you need to really establish ownership of it in your heart. And then you go and you speak it. You take that second step of speaking it out loud. But right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer that's going to reconnect you to God, the place where he wants you most. And if you're willing to take that step to say, Yes, I want to pray. I want to say yes to God and all that he has for my life. I want to be a Christian. I'm going to count to three here. And when I count to three, I'm just going to simply ask, if you want to pray that prayer with me, you just lift your hand. People seated around you have their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But I want to know who I get the privilege and opportunity of praying with here this morning and introducing into the right relationship with Jesus that he designed for you long ago. So if that's you on the count of three and you want to pray this prayer, would you just lift your hand? Real simple, one, two, three. Would you lift those hands if there's anybody here today? I see one hand over here. I see two hands in the, in the house today. I'm looking around. Hold them up so I can see you. There's someone over here, three, four, five, six. Thank you, Father God. At least six hands in the, in the room today, this morning. Thank you, Lord. And if I didn't see you, don't worry about it. God saw you. I saw six of you. If there's more, God's got you. But would you join me in this prayer? Make this the prayer of your heart right now. Lord God, plain and simple, I need you. I need some help here. My life is not working out the way I wanted it to. There's some good stuff, but there's bad stuff and there's confusion. And and God, I just need some help. And I believe, Lord, that you are here to help me. You created me, that you love me. You've been waiting for me to have a, a real relationship with you. So, Lord, I'm saying yes to everything that you have for me. I believe your son, Jesus, came to this earth, taught us how to live for you, went to the cross to pay the price for us. He didn't deserve it. We deserved it, but he did it for us so that we could have a relationship with you. And he went to the cross and he went to the grave. He died for us, but then he did the unthinkable, the impossible. He rose again from the dead, proving he was the son of God, proving that you, God, are offering healing and freedom over death and sin and guilt and shame and all of my baggage and all of my issues. You want to set me free and you want to bless my life. So Lord, I believe what your son Jesus did for me and I receive it. I receive the price that was paid from this moment on. You are my God and I know you and I love you and you're at work in my life and your Holy Spirit is beginning to do powerful miracles and amazing things in my life as I surrender, as I say yes, as I activate my faith in believing in my heart and confessing it and letting people know that I'm a Christian from this day forward. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Help me to get plugged into you through my word, through church, through baptism, through all of that. I don't even know all of that, but I don't have to. I'm just saying yes to you and you're gonna show me what to do next. Thank you for loving me and for being my God from this day forward on into eternity. And in Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Can we praise God for those people that joined us in prayer today? Amen. Welcome. Well, if that was you and you raised your hand, welcome to the family of God. We're so blessed that you literally changed your entire eternity here today. Do you believe that? You know that the best thing that we did all morning was what just happened in those six people's lives. The rest of us, we already know. We got blessed. What a good word. But people just changed their eternity this morning. Is that good? 
Oh, that's amazing. And if that was you, yeah, give it up for those guys. Um, if that was you, real simple, we would just like to ask you to go to the Connect Center on your way out the doors here. Don't go out the back door. If that was you, go out the side doors of the Connect Center. We've got a Bible for you. We've got some information about our church, our church family. People will answer questions if you want them to. If you don't want them to talk to you, just take the Bible and run. It's good. It's okay. But we'd love to get to know you and connect with you. Um, if you came here and you've got some, some other needs, some deep needs, some stuff going on in your life, and you feel like you just need to release them to God, we've got a prayer team that would love to just partner with you, lift up those requests to God with you. Just make your way to the back right there. They'd love to join you in prayer. The rest of us, has this been a good word this morning? Good morning today. Would you guys rise to your feet as we just tell our God how we feel about him in one last song? Come on, from the heart, let's tell God how we feel about him.